Hello, good evening, and welcome. I'm Simon Bestwick. And I'm Gemma Files. And this, of course, is... No, no dark- Darkness, But Ours. But Ours. In our last podcast, we began to look at queer horror. How all horror can be said to be queer, exploring as it does lives and experiences outside the default and the normative. And of the blurry line between representation and appropriation. We ended with a reference to Paula Ash's amazing collection, We Are Here to Hurt Each Other, which sets the stage for the second episode of our podcast, where we look at both new and emerging queer horror writers like Ash and Hayley Piper and queerness in classic horror. Um, thank you for recommending uh, her to me. I, oh, she's amazing. I'm a huge fan of Hayley Piper, who yes. uh, I've been and I, I got hold of her collection, um, Unfortunate Elements of My Anatomy, which is a wonderful title. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, I already went to obviously a few of Haley's novellas and kind of binged through that and Paul and Ashes were here to hurt each other. And I have been just, I'm about two thirds of the way through Eric LaRocca's um, Things Have Gotten Worse Since Last We Spoke. Yes. Uh, I thought it was a story collection. It actually seems to be um, a novella. It's, it's, so yeah, it's one, it's one novella. And, um, you know, it's, that's a fascinating um, example of this whole thing because, you know, Eric is a gay man and he he's chosen to write this you know weird sort of d slash s um dominant submissive um relationship between uh between two women uh conducted over the internet and um you know in i can see some somebody looking at that and going like there's some appropriation going on here, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, I I don't necessarily know what Eric would say about that, except for yeah, I guess, <laughs> you know. But it's like, so did you like the book? You know, <laughs> it's like yeah. there's there's some I mean, other just, things that go on in the book. I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't uh, necessarily have uh, you know been like, and you're a gay guy. <laughs> Those are two gay gay ladies. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I was thinking of um, sort just I was just thinking it's now about another film, slightly similar theme, when, when in the sense that it's about a relationship between two women and there's something very dark emerges in it, and that's Colin Minahan's film What Keeps You Alive. Yes. Um, which, as far as now, uh, the film, as far as I know, as far as I know, I know Minahan isn't a queer director. The woman who stars in the star, woman who stars in the film is actually his his wife. Of course, they could yes. both be sexual, or I don't know. Well, it, it's That's possible, I suppose, but yeah, they are uh, they are married. To the best of my knowledge, you know, we're not talking about a, about a, a queer filmmaker, but this is like a, this. Is, I mean, it's something that you can you can kind of subdivide when we're talking about queer horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought you could this could fall into like I thought I could see sort of like three to four categories in which we could sort of subdivide it, and one would be. Uh, fiction that is not necessarily made by that's not necessarily made by queer creators, but which revolves around, which deals around, which has queer themes or characters in it. Yeah. Uh, one thing I like about what keeps you alive is that this is there is no suggestion that you know this is some kind of terrible this case can kind of to, or some kind of consequence on them of, of being lesbians or that the 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 evil wife is evil because she's a lesbian. No, she's just an evil bitch who happens to be a lesbian. She could have just yeah. as equally been doing this with her husband. And you yeah, could take exactly. that and you could make it a, a male female couple, and you could switch. You could have one whichever partner being the killer or not. But it's much more interesting when you when you do it this way because it completely it changes a lot of things. It makes it a lot more unexpected. 
So you've got you there's so that you, that's an example of one category. Mm -hmm. Then you've got stuff that's written by queer authors, which may or may not, which doesn't necessarily have to incorporate queer characters or. Yeah, this is the other thing, because, you know, again, uh, if you are queer yourself in real life, do you necessarily have to write stories that always revolve around queer characters? Not necessarily. Yeah, isn't it, isn't it possible that you might decide to write a straight character because you're like, well, I'm not like that and that's what really interesting what must it be like being you know like being trapped inside of this ridiculous then of course you've got the third category which is yeah. queer creators writing stuff with about explicitly queer themes and, mm -hmm. and the other the fourth possible category i thought of was inadvertent queerness which is uh, i was thinking of hp lovecraft's the thing on the doorstep which True. Um, I mean, I think Joel Lane once could raise the speculation of did did Asenath ever flip bodies with um, <laughs> with uh, with Edward while they were doing it? Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, and I did I did think I'd actually quite like to write something from Asenath's point of view where she sort of because I mean, of course, the real Asenath was trapped in the body yeah. of her deranged father. What if she figured out how to do this and got out? And what kind of what would you do? Would she necessarily be? Evil? I mean, I'm just thinking she could have she could have the most amazing swingers parties. That's true. That's absolutely true. Although the assumption is that she was like, she found herself like stuck inside of her dad's disintegrating body. Yeah. You know, the same way that her husband finds himself stuck yeah. inside of her disintegrating body. As I, as I remember Joel Lane telling me, sort of Lovecraft probably would not have understood, would yeah. not have recognized a sexual interpretation if it came up behind him and buggered him. No, um, it's, it's, it's true. Andrew Lehman, who um, is, you know, one of the best uh readers of Lovecraft that I've ever come across and um is also I, I think one of the big driving forces behind the uh the HP Lovecraft dramatic society or whatever it is that that made um that wonderful yeah. adaptation of Call of Cthulhu and oh, yeah. yeah um and and does those incredible you know uh hv lovecraft uh you know mystery hour you know adaptations of things right? <laughs> where it's like they're <laughs> it's 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 like they're a radio show from like the 30s <laughs> <laughs> it's like entombed in the pyramids you know? um and uh you know he's he's pretty overtly gay and um the interesting thing that i've found about that is that he without seeming to you know be doing this deliberately the mere fact of i guess his gayness occasionally makes when i'm listening to him reading certain stories makes me go oh do you think that character is <laughs> it's like i mean hbl characters very very often can be read as ace they can be read as asexual they can be read as gray sexual they can be read as you know clueless virgins clueless heterosexual virgins you know or they can be read as extremely closeted gay dudes who very, may very. even know what's going on with them yeah a lot i mean again that's that's the idea these this stuff that kind of can kind of creep in even when the, the writer doesn't actually realize kind of that the, the that they've, I mean, these kind of they're, they're kind of expressing a part of themselves that even they don't fully acknowledge. Yeah. 
um, which can be, make me. Although I remember another uh, Joel, God bless him, quoting another uh, example of the great unintentional humour in Lovecraft in the opening lines of the uh, the Earth, the lurking fear. You know, as I, <laughs> okay. you know, as I made my way into the into the the, 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 the haunted valley, I said, "With me were two faithful and muscular men." And uh, Joel commented, "I thought, lucky bastard, I can't even find one." <laughs> And muscular. <laughs> it's nice. It's uh, yeah, that's pleasant. Uh, Chess would like that. This <laughs> burger would be like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. I was I was having a look to see, you know to a look at sort of you know um, the kind of the classic authors, as it were, and how many of them were gay. I mean, of course, there's a lot. There's a lot of speculation about. We've talked a bit yes. about Mr. James's sexuality, possibly gay, possibly asexual. Mm -hmm. um, but for example, E.F. Benson. Uh, yeah, totally. I think, I think at least of, of his two brothers, I can't remember if both of them were um, were gay or just one. But I think uh, I certainly. I think one was definitely, and the other one, who knows? Who knows? Um, Vernon Lee gets mentioned in a list. Yeah, Vernon Lee. I absolutely love Vernon Lee. And the interesting thing is that I came to her stuff way before I knew anything about her life. And it appealed to me so distinctly and specifically. Um, you know, Vernon Lee was, yeah, pretty gay. She was, she was, a, she was a gay lady. Um, Matthew Lewis, who wrote The Monk, and William Beckford, who wrote Varthek, are cited as gay authors as well, interestingly. Okay. Uh, Oscar Wilde, obviously. Well, yeah. <laughs> what? Oscar Wilde? <laughs> I mean, That's you know, lucky. Oscar Wilde functionally bisexual because <laughs> he, he did have kids. <laughs> yeah. Incidentally, of course, I seem to remember, I think it's in the um, uh, one of the annotated, one of Joshi's annotated editions of Love Club, when he's talking about the shadow over Innsmouth. Mm. The descriptions given of Obed Marsh were apparently based on the physical description of Oscar Wilde. Because Lovecraft, I think, said in a letter to Derleth that while he, you know, he regarded Wilde as an artist, as an absolute genius, but as mm. a person regarded him as, you know, this unspeakable yes. you know unspeakable degenerates kind of thing and so he he kind of he was he, he thought he portrayed Marsh he sort of saw saw Marsh as embodying as, as, as looking like wild because he was presumably he presumably saw Mobid Marsh as bringing you know bringing corruption and degeneracy into um into Fish what fucking, a, you know clean yeah. clean white Aryan you know sort yeah, of uh, right. community <laughs> Oh, it's, uh, my my lovely bulgy bulgy eyed wife, you know. I mean, Jesus, <laughs> it's like anybody who wouldn't, yeah. It's like think about Dagon, right? Any the the movie, anybody who doesn't find Macarena Gomez um, attractive just because she might be partly a squid. <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen it. I haven't seen uh, that one. Is that that's, that's, is that Stuart Gordon again? It is Stuart Gordon. Yeah. Um, and Macarena Gomez is this amazing looking woman um, who does have these incredible eyes, these big, bulgy, slightly thyroid eyes, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, uh, if you've ever seen um, uh, Tres Monedas, 13 Coins, the thing that Alex de Iglesias did, she's okay. also in that. It's a it's a series that he did through HBO, I think. Notes for future viewing material. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing I didn't really. I mean, I've um, uh, I've seen Bram Stoker described as a closeted gay man, which was not something I'd been. Yes. 
Yeah, okay. I I I have heard that. I've heard that from several sources. Um, and yeah, uh, I think he was he was like super into Whitman as well. <laughs> I may be wrong. So probably bisexual, bi maybe bisexual, or maybe well, I, I mean, closing his eyes and thinking of. <laughs> thinking who knows? Of other things, who who knows? knows? You know? Who knows? Um, and yeah, I mean, his uh, I, there there is that part of you that's like, okay, so are you assuming this just because he was obsessed with Henry Irving? <laughs> or is there more to it than that? Well, didn't he? Wasn't didn't weren't he and Oscar Wilde actually um, at one point rivals for um, uh, for marrying Florence, his wife? Yes, I seem to remember. Yeah. Um, right. So there was kind of a some sort of connection there. Um, again, I, I, I've heard this set of stuff. I don't know a hundred percent of it's true, but what I do know, of course, is that an awful lot of people have. Um, raised eyebrows and probably other things when reading Dracula. Mm. Um, I mean, the, you know, this man is mine, he tells, um, you know, he announces as the, Dracula announces to his brides. And of course, this, as Stephen King pointed out in Dance Macabre, you know, when he describes that bit when the girl went down on her knees before before yes. Harker, says, the girl who did that in front of you is definitely not someone you're going to take home to your mother. Yes, uh, exactly. Um, yeah. Waited with a beating heart. Um, there was I, all sorts of you know, yeah, I mean, field you know, the, the queerness of Dracula is undeniable. Um, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that first attracted me towards stories of vampirism was yeah. that sort of, I mean, you know, I, I went pretty quick from uh, Dracula to Interview with the Vampire. Um, so, you know, there was that, that there was that feeling of bisexuality for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, who cares? Everybody's got blood. Who cares? You know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> well, also, have you seen this? And there's a meme that was going around of like Stephanie Meyer. Oh, but all vampires, uh, vampires are like all, you know, heterosexual, middle class English men. Take away TT. Shut the fuck up. Every vampire is bisexual and a moron. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Which, exactly. Yeah, and so, we don't hear about vampires very much now. Now it's just they have a very low survival rate because they're all such fucking idiots. <laughs> it's like <laughs> if Guillermo ever gets turned into a vampire on what we do in the shadows, his IQ will probably drop about 50 points. You know, the new um, the new version of Interview with the Vampire manages to really um, sort of fold in the Watiti model as okay, on top that's, that's of funny. the general um blood opera craziness of of yeah. rice to begin with i also really like the fact that um you know rice always sort of assumed that if you became a vampire you were just function functionally bisexual and you know it's like yeah. i i got turned into a vampire and you know and was immediately in love with the guy who turned me into a vampire yeah. you know but i was also capable of falling in love with all sorts of other people, you know, la la la, you know, it's like, yeah, in including, I don't know, an 11 year old girl that I made. Yeah, <laughs> you know? because there, um, is an there is an innately sort of sexual aspect to the whole blood sucking. Yeah, yeah exactly. Thing that, that, that everything is sexualized. But one of the interesting things about the about the most recent um, series of the interview with the vampire is that from the very beginning, they're like, OK, so Louis Louis Dupont du Lac is a closeted gay man okay. who also is um you know they also uh aged it down to 1900 instead of like this instead of like in the 1700s and uh, or the end of the 1700s and um 
and and made him uh, a guy of Creole uh, descent. So it's like, you know, when somebody says Dupont du Lac, that's a that's a really interesting name. He's like, yeah, you know, like Dupont du Lac Plantation. My great great grandfather ran that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like. <laughs> You know, whereas I myself, you know, run a string of string of cat houses because, you know, we we rich, but we ain't that rich. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a very attractive, light brown man in a, in a very racist world. You know, it's like it's it's better to be in New Orleans than some other places, but still, you know, not so great. And, you know, and then this adds uh, a couple of really interesting a, a couple of really interesting uh, strings to his relationship with Lestat de Lioncourt, you know, Lestat, who's like super white. And, well, no, at one point, he's, at one point, um, at one point, uh, Louis' uh, sister says, you hanging around with that white man still? And he's like, he ain't white, he's French. <laughs> yeah, and Lestat would definitely agree with that. He's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm super white. <laughs> Like, crime novels. Um, I am the best type of I am the best type of white, <laughs> the type from France. <laughs> uh, to George Polakanis's crime novels, there's um, uh, the, the DC Quartet, the second one, King uh, Suckerman, which is set in the 70s. And there's this whole mm -hmm. thing about a, a record store. And the, 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 the heart of it, there's a friendship between a black guy and a Greek American right. guy. And um, the uh, one of the, the black guys sort of co-workers says, your Caucasian friend coming around says, well, he's, uh, he says, he claims he's, uh, he claims he ain't Caucasian, he's Greek. There's a difference. He says there is, but damn if I can tell. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But again, so, you, get these, you get these gradations that, I mean, and it varies from country to country. Um, I've mm -hmm. had this from, uh, to a friend of mine, for example, in, in America, um, if you have seen it, if you're Latino, if you're, if you're Latina, Latinx, um, yeah. Hispanic, but I'm not quite sure what the correct Latinx is the way that most people go for it these days. Yeah, I mean that's not a distinction that has great that is that has the that that really mm. means a vast amount, say in the UK. Mm. Um, you know, there will be the people there'll be uh, strong, you know, you get strong prejudices against you know, your encounter. Arsenal's were prejudiced against black people or people of mm -hmm. Asian descent or um, and to an extent people from from Eastern from Eastern Europe. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, I think you know, the, the prejudice against the Hispanic people, against Latinx people or, or whatever, it's just probably wouldn't be really on on the radar. So it's kind of again, it's one of these things where you get these kind of barriers and boundaries yeah. and that, that, that vary can very, very sharply, you know, you'd be weirdly um, uh, some, you know, the some of the this. It was interesting that um, I was told a story about Paul Robeson that in I think I can't remember when this was. This would have been the twenties, the third, would have been the thirties. He was working. He was in London and mm. he was staying at I think the, in the penthouse suite in one of the big hotels. And he was at that time carrying on a relationship with uh, Pe with Peggy Ashcroft, who right. was one of the leading ladies of her day and uh, a very very beautiful woman. And yeah. um, they, they, and basically there were a lot of American guests staying there who were real, who were really sort of, oh, we don't want this black person. <laughs> and the hotel management has to look, Mr. I'm really sorry, but look, we're quite, uh, we've, we're quite happy to, you know, anything you need, we'll bring mm -hmm. to you. Mrs. Atwis Ashcroft can come and go as she please. It's just the dining room. Uh, if you can, uh, as far as he was concerned, it's like, well, I get to spend all my time in the penthouse um, suite with hot and cold running Peggy yeah. Ashcroft and, um, <laughs> 
food, booze, whatever. Uh, so it's basically because he says yeah. some of our American guests. He said very recently, "Yeah, it's okay. They're crazy." <laughs> So it's kind of like in some yeah. in some ways you could get a, a Britain could be a far better place for a black guy than than America could at the same and time Fra- and France same thing yeah. you know yeah. Um, yeah. you know it's like there's not that there was yeah. absent not that prejudice would be completely absent everywhere no but... absolutely but what I what I do find interesting is that the, often it's it seems to be about two different things and and the first one is like visual difference. Um, between what you feel is normal because it's like you and what you feel is abnormal because it's not like you and difference in language which is which is really interesting so in in a way for example you know uh like a high level creole family like the pont du lax um would feel ostensibly more closer to a guy who spoke French, <laughs> whether he was white or whether he was Creole or whether, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, um, they actually might feel more, uh, more close to someone like Lestat than they might feel to a much darker man who spoke French. Yeah. Which is is kind of interesting, but it's like darker than them. <laughs> yeah, there's that you kind know. of uh, there's that kind of well, I'm, I'm you know I'm above I'm mm. I'm up here on the social scale yeah. and I don't want to be down there kind of thing and I don't want to well, be seen yeah. as um, I don't want, I don't Merlot Baron, you know, yeah, gorgeous gorgeous woman by any standards, but you know she never escaped the fact that she was you know that she was uh, British Indian and. Um, uh, and for, to some degree spent her entire time in Hollywood obsessed with the idea that somebody was going to figure out that she was a darkie. Jesus. Yeah. Seriously. You know, and God almighty, you know, it's like, <laughs> uh, who knows? It's disgraceful to look at. It's, you know, you just to realize that, that all that happened. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, still, and still does. I mean, you know, think about yes. the whole thing about, you know, uh, whatever you feel about the royals. Think about the whole thing about about Meghan Markle. Yeah. Uh, and it's and it's fascinating to me um, to just live in a world where, yeah, everything is like <laughs> everything's like, where do you really come from? You know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, where do your parents really come from? You know, it's like. like you know. Yeah. There's a there's an Ian Banks story where which where it contains like this imagined dialogue between a sort of um, you know national front type this was written in the eighties mm. you know type sort of mm. racist and um, and someone else it's like a, I think we should, we should send them all we should send them all they should all go back where they came from Bradford well I mean where they were back to where they were born Bradford. Yeah. <laughs> where their parents go, well, they should all go back to where their families originated in the first part. At which point he points out, well, in that case, we we uh, we 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 have to deport the the royal family to Germany. Uh, yes. The entire called English ruling class to get sent back to France in the the 1066 effect, as he called it. Yeah. Um, and you know, <laughs> yeah. and so ultimately, we all everyone is, is the entire the entire world population gets crammed into a single just tiny area in the middle in Central Africa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. That that is exactly exactly the point you know whereas all we are is all we are is primates 
Yeah. Ah, anyway, it's not the point. <laughs> okay, so just going with some of some of the sort of I mean other great queer authors. There's a Saki cat has yes. to be mentioned. Yeah, uh, has always to be mentioned. And, and the it and it's interesting because the stuff that we love so much about Saki, that kind of meanness and elegance and you know and and absolute command of language to some degree yeah. translates on the page into a version of that sort of fayness that, yeah you know. i mean there was some there was some there were some cases where the uh, i mean gabriel ernest is quite uh, is, is quite homoerotic in its description of the the young boy for the most i mean for the most part he just kind of for the most part it's um to the extent the extent that his queerness expresses himself, it does so through his kind of misogyny and general contempt for women. I don't mean yeah. that that's an intrinsic part of being gay, but no, he certainly but... had no interest in in women and regarded them as rather beneath him, which is something you would see in some in some gay writers. Um, uh, uh, and it's of... and it's an interesting it's an interesting liminal moment of you know it's like where lack of interest can slop over into acceptable misogyny. Yeah, yeah. The acceptable misogyny of heterosexual society. Yes, yes. Of a particular like a, era. I'm not, a, I'm not a just, it's like, oh, we, we can just say lots of nasty, cynical things about women, but. Yeah, think of Wakefield, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, Wakefield was pretty, was, no, he wasn't gay. He was like super, super straight, but he was a misogynist. Like nobody's. Oh yeah, God, just definitely had a, had a problem with women that guy oh yeah uh. <laughs> you know it's like this this is a man who's written like some of you know some of the best ghost stories i've ever read and ones that i would gladly read over and over but i actually had to make a list one time for a friend where i was like okay so definitely avoid all these and <laughs> all beats him with an oar kind of yes, thing. exactly, exactly. If you don't want to beat him with an oar, <laughs> you know, if you don't want to just go, oh my god, and throw a book across this <laughs> across the table, you know, it's like this. Okay. This as, is the as way we love this. this that there's would... get that thing where there's you, you'll get writers who have a kind of a race uh, who will display a racism or un or unthinkingly racist tropes or attitudes that were sadly. Yeah. much more mainstream at that time than they were then but with lovecraft it's like you know his racism is over and above there's like mm -hmm. it's, it's visceral it's it's even more nasty in many ways for being uh for the attempt he makes to couch it in pseudo rational kind of language yeah. uh but you know uh, um wakefield is 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 sort of in some ways similar in terms of his misogyny. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a certain amount of sexism and condescension, but there was like, whoa, you really don't like women. Yeah, I mean, no, exactly. And of course, all women are evil. <laughs> it's oh, like yeah. what? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't think Saki regarded women as evil, just more contemptible and um, yeah. irrelevant. And I mean, of course, one thing that pops evil up evil and stupid, is, evil, stupid, and um, also what would you say uh that thing where where there are hoes who want your gold you know yeah um, yeah gold. evil stupid and corrupt <laughs> you know yeah and then um, of course he i mean there's quite a few of his stories which kind of like have this uh, spend a lot of time sneering at the whole idea of the suffragettes and suffragism mm. because of course that that 
at the, uh, throughout his life until because he was, he was killed during the First World War. So throughout his whole lifetime, women didn't have the votes, and towards yeah. the last latter part of it, um, he was you know very, there, there there was there, there were increasing there's increasing agitation towards that, and you you get that thing which you see, um, and you see you see this with some. Uh, with some queer people who, 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 because they're kind of like, they have this one part of uh, themselves which is very, very much non-conforming, very much outside mm -hmm. the default. They kind of there's that kind of compensation by aggressively, by, by being more the default in other areas than than everyone else. Not everyone goes, of course. Not everyone yeah. who's not who's not part of the default goes that way. Thank fuck. Most of them are kind of a bit more, you know. But again, I suspect it was kind of it was it would have been Upper a class, lot though. Upper class, yeah. upper classness as well. And, oh, yeah. you know, I, I think he was also like, you know, he might have had a couple of things intersecting there where it's yeah. like, I don't want to get uh, I don't want to get um, excluded because of this part of me. But I also don't want to get excluded because of this part of me. Yeah, my the main. Yeah, yes, the main the main problem with uh, with 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 being gay is it I, I might not uh, I might not get in, invited to all the best clubs. Uh, yeah, yeah. And and again, we come back to the to the usual thing of prejudice, which is always okay. So, are you do you genuinely think that all these people, everybody who fits into this one particular slot, all these people are stupid? All these people are lazy. All these people are corruptive. All these people are you know. It's like all of them, all of them are like this. I mean, do you genuinely think that because? I don't know every person on the on the face of the earth, and I'm fairly certain that not everybody who isn't me yeah. <laughs> you know, doesn't share think, the well, things that I know that I share. You know, it's like, well, is, I know I I'm intelligent. I know that I'm, you know, I'm capable of empathy. I know that I don't go out of my way to corrupt other people around me. I know no. that, you know, it's like, it's like, I know that I love my children. I know that I do. You know, yeah. That I actually you get, you get the no the no true Scotsman thing, don't you? Yeah. That's uh, or, or, or or it's like oh he's one he's he's not like the rest of them. He's one of the good ones, or or you yeah, know, exactly. when, when I mean, I, I I can genuinely understand that if you actually thought that every woman was in was that that if you genuinely thought that heterosexuality meant that you had to shackle yourself to the equivalent of a Neanderthal. You know, and that's being shitty to Neanderthals, you know, in order to have kids that you had to, I don't know, marry a cat. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you had to marry a cat and, you know, it's like, and have sex with a cat, you know, even though you yourself wasn't, were not a cat, you know, yes. you have, like this person you couldn't have a conversation with, this person you couldn't, have, you know, this person, you know, you you had an absolutely nothing in common with, but you know, you just had to have kids and you had to have a place to stick your dick. Then yeah, you know, that doesn't look so great. But no. considering I'm the person who would have the thing that you were sticking your dick in, that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. 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 So if that's get... bullshit, then maybe everything else is bullshit too. Yeah, I mean, people, it, 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 because the world's so complex and chaotic, yeah. you know, you try to find a kind of a view that enables you to make sense of it. And a lot of the time, having, making sweeping, if you if you can make sweeping generalizations about big chunks 
of the population, uh, yes. then um, then it makes it an awful lot easier to process. Um, yes. So you know, you then of course you have that problem of when people this, this chaotic, difficult world. But on the other hand, if what you're looking for is a reason to have empathy with other people, then pain is the constant. It is that all people have pain, all people have anger, all people have a yearning for love, all people have um, loneliness, all people have, you know, uh, all people know that they're going to die. All people know that they could suffer. All people, you know, know that the people they love could suffer. And again, we come back to, you know, Paula, Paula Ash, you know, Ash, who, yes. so, who so perfectly understands that, you know, the way that a good horror writer of any type, <laughs> of any identification, you know, does. You know, it's like we are here to hurt each other, that the world is spins on pain and it doesn't matter yeah. what's going in and out in other ways. Nothing. None of that matters. That it's is where collection. there were just stories oh. there that just left me, you know, yeah. just stunned um, by what she was doing. Um, I think I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes next. Um, oh, and I really want to too. read about it broker when I finish the thing I'm reading at the minute. Yeah, and um, Haley Piper, anything that Haley Piper does. And, you oh know, God, yeah. I mean, you know, the other thing that occurs to me is that, you know, it's like when we think about body horror um, mm. and the type of horror that everyone who has a body can identify with, yes. you know, it's like <laughs> the most, the, you know, specific, it, it's like that, it's that intersectional thing, right? And yeah. you start off with the obvious intersections, you know, it's like anybody who can get pregnant understands body horror. Anybody who can get sick understands body horror. Uh, anybody who's trans understands body yeah. horror. Anybody who's... Of teeth. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> she, did, she did put on Twitter recently, um, Haley, that uh, uh, her favourite review of, um, of of that was that uh, was when uh, Yaya finds, her, finds she has teeth in her Yaya. Um, which that's brilliant. Yep. Um, I you begin with the specific, but then you go out and out and out and out. And pretty soon you discover that everybody, everybody, everybody who has a body understands body horror. In the final episode of our Queer Horror podcast, we'll be looking at more recent classics of queer horror in the works of Clive Barker, Joel Lane and David Rudkin. We'll also be looking at often overlooked authors like Michael McDowell and J.B. Laws. Which creators of queer horror should we also be looking at that we haven't discussed so far? Let us know in the comments below, and maybe we'll discuss them in a later podcast. And until then, I have been Simon Bestwick. And I have been Gemma Files. And this, of course, has been No Darkness, no darkness but, but Our Eyes. Our eyes.